from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Bien talking about the possibility of adding Stanford and Cal to a new conference. Don't bring it up to North Carolina's legendary women's soccer coach, Anson Dorrance, uh, because he's, he's, he's not, he doesn't want to talk about it. That's a lie. He'll, uh, he'll give you everything you need when it comes to a soundbite. He's the latest person of power in college sports to not realize the irony slash hypocrisy of his stance compared with how we handle as a sports group, as a media, as a fan base, as a, as an entire universe of sports. We treat the players one way and we expect something different from the, the coaches and administrators and it's not fair. And I'm here to stand up for the players. I'm here to stand up for the student athletes. Yes. That's what they call them, right? Student athletes. Mm-hmm. To coaches and administrators, and, and Dorrance being the most recent, not realize that they themselves almost always exhibit the exact traits that, that college athletes are, are chastised for showing? Anson Dorrance, uh, again, like I said, North Carolina's legendary women's soccer coach, uh, was on the uh, path, I don't know, was was on the the train tracks for the Stanford Cal coming to the ACC conversation. Mm-hmm. And this is what he had to say. Our budgets aren't extraordinary as it is. And now we would try to add in, you know, flights across the country to play these two schools. Uh, which will be incredibly expensive. And then the fact that uh, um, now we're exposing the whole country, not that Stanford and Cal don't have a national recruiting platform. Of course they do. But if you put those two schools in the ACC, it's going to be so easy for them to recruit nationally. So it'll just benefit them, in my opinion, not us. We've built the best uh, women's soccer conference in the country. And there's no way I want to share the glory of our conference with two schools that could do a very good job recruiting against us. And so basically, I want Cal and Stanford to die on the vine. Them's be fighting words. Mm -hmm. Now, he did walk back the, I guess, die on the vine part. There was a a clarification statement today that that said he respects Stanford, he respects Cal. Gotta love a good statement. The the good old, uh, yeah, some people told me I have to say this statement. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's not the part that I'm frustrated with. The part I'm frustrated with is I don't want to recruit against Stanford and Cal. I don't want to share the glory with Stanford and Cal. We have the best conference here without Stanford and Cal. Wine, wine, wine. This is why that thought process, that exact logic is why Florida State wants to leave the ACC. That exact logic is the same thinking that is the worst part of the transfer portal. That exact logic is what we look at student-athletes and we say, oh, you're running away from competition. Oh, you don't want to fight and get better. Oh, you want every advantage. If you have to overcome a little bit of adversity, you want to run away. They are complaining. This is a coach complaining, saying if Stanford has access to the, the same conference that I have access to, I'm worried that they might be better. They're complaining. They're running away from 
the same things that players get called spoiled or, or they get called scared of competition if they complain about it and if they run away from it. It's not fair to me unless I have an advantage. The grass is always greener, right? I, I want to keep it like it is. Whatever benefits me. I want I want to be in the strongest conference. I, my team, wants to be in the strongest conference, and I want my competitors to be as weak as possible. If there's an advantage out there to be had, uh, I, I am the only one that gets it. Listen. I always want to beat my competitors at their best. How about you say that? How about you how about you say bring Stanford, bring Cal in because I'm so confident in my abilities as North Carolina women's soccer? Mm-hmm. How about you how about you say I want them in my conference so I can beat them every year? How about you say I'm Mia Ham, have you heard of her? Yeah. How about you say Crystal Dunn? Have you heard of it? How about how about you say we're North Carolina and whatever's best for the conference, we're going to dominate because that's what we do. Just like when you look at a a a player, if they're hitting the transfer portal, you go, why don't you stick around and beat out everybody that's competing for the starting spot instead of going where the path is has the least resistance. And also, where's the logic on if, if Stanford and Cal join the ACC, they get to recruit nationally, but it doesn't benefit North Carolina? Yeah. Where's that logic? Mm-hmm. Because if, if playing teams on the East Coast uh, allows Stanford and Cal to recruit nationally better, meaning including the East Coast, then wouldn't playing teams on the West Coast allow North Carolina to recruit better nationally, meaning California? Yeah. I, I, he literally says, uh, so it will just, this is a direct quote. So I'll, I'll read it right here, right? Put those two schools in the ACC, it's going to be so easy for them to recruit nationally. So it will just benefit them, in my opinion, not us. Close quote. So you're telling me if they play against you as an away team, they're going to, like, what, come into – they're going to go get a recruit from Charlotte that you wouldn't be able to get? Yeah. What are we – What? listen, what's best for the conference? Then go win under whatever parameters that that ends up being. Mm-hmm. What's best for the school? What what's best for the student athletes? What's then go win under whatever parameters that ends up being. Right. Part of his statement today is I trust the the powers that be. Right. I trust our uh, chancellor and athletic director, and I and I trust the. Da, da, da. Okay, then let them go do it, and and you don't sit here and talk about how you don't want to recruit against Stanford. Imagine if you think that's like, oh, we, we had the, the number one recruiting class in the ACC, but if Stanford played away games at, at Duke occasionally, they would have taken them. Are you, you think it's, that's the reason why you're, you're, you're getting or not getting recruits? If, if an athlete said that, right? Let's say, uh, a, uh, let's, let's consider the ACC a team, mm-hmm. right? And Stanford and Cal are in the transfer portal, and the school is considering bringing them in. All right, so now let's go to the the player example. Exact same thing. There's a I don't know a, a goalie on the soccer team, and there's a couple goalies in the transfer portal that the team's considering bringing in. What if the player came out and said, "I don't want them to join because then they're going to have a chance to take my job. They're going to have a chance to do what I I do better than me." 
you'd go, oh, well, you're just afraid of competition. Right? Why, why don't you tell them to bring in that goalie and then beat them out and say, this is my team. I'm not giving you my spot. I'm going to do all those things better than you. That's what we want the player to say. That's what we want a student athlete to say. But when, it, when a coach has that happening, right, when they're like, hey, Stanford and Cal, transfer portal, might be coming to take one of the top spots in the ACC, the coach is like, why would we let them in? It's my spot. Why would we bring them in? Uh, well, you're going to give competition for the number? No, that's, that's me. Oh, yeah, but players, you, you just got to battle, right? You, competition. Iron sharpens iron. Competition brings out the best in all of us. Yes. Until your job's on the line. Florida State, same thing. Oh, let's run to where I want the most money. I want what they're getting. Okay, how about you win? Mm-hmm. You're playing Wake Forest this year, Florida State, football. You've lost the last three times you've played against Wake Forest, and they don't make near the amount of money you do in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Wine, wine, wine. Players wine, they get chastised for it. Coaches Wine, it's fine, and, and, and administrators whine, and we don't have enough money. That's fine. Players, one complaint, oh, they're the most spoiled generation in the history of generations. Yes. I always love the the coach, the coaches that say, doesn't matter who, we'll play them, we'll line them up, doesn't matter who, doesn't matter where, we're going to line up, we're going to go after them because that's who we are. Time and place. Exactly. Time and place. You name it, we're there. Then you look at their non-conference schedule, it's like... Wofford. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> it's nothing but FCS schools and Yeah. It's like that that is how are you both north central and yeah. western Michigan? Yeah. Like north, wow, north, wait, south, wow. north central western. I don't like how they did our schedule. That's I mean again, the hypocrisy. So call me the lead activist for players' rights. I'm defending players' ability to complain until the day where coaches and administrators Eliminate the complaining as well. Mm-hmm. You follow your leaders. Where do, where do they get it from? You. That's where they get it from. Panthers wide receiver room, not a great place to be right now. And the reason why I say that is because just about everybody <laughs> inside it is hurt. Uh, the Panthers, here's here's where they've, they've been as a wide receiver kind of unit, okay? Uh, they don't have a number one. You could argue whether they have a, a mess of twos, a mess of threes, right? Wide receiver, two, maybe two and a halves. Uh, maybe, maybe you think even one of them might be like a 1.75. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't have a wide receiver one. They don't have a top dog, an alpha in the wide receiver room. But they were trying to get it done and are trying to get it done with depth, right? We don't have one guy. We've got five guys. We're going to kind of money ball it, right? We're not going to be able to replace Giambi, so we're trying to replace it in the aggregate with seven guys that – Average a bun- uh, non-base percentage of twelve or whatever it ends up being. Yeah, and we're I know the, scheme our way to yard. I know those numbers aren't right, but you get what I'm saying. They no longer have depth, which is an issue. When you're depending on depth to make up for the fact of your lock your lack of top end talent, you kind of need the depth. Demir Bird was a pure depth piece, right? He wasn't expecting much, but if a whole bunch of other guys got hurt, you at least trusted him to step up. He's on the season-ending IR. Mm-hmm. Terrace Marshall Jr. out with a back injury. Tweaked it and then just hasn't been back in, in over a week now. It's been a while. Uh, LaVisca Chenault, concussion protocol. This is the guy that's supposed to be a hybrid running back uh, slash can, like, you know, take handoffs and play the physical part of the game. Built like a running back. He's in concussion protocol. Gadget player. And now, as of this morning, 
or this afternoon, word came out. DJ Chark out with a hamstring injury. That leaves Adam Thielen, Jonathan Mingo, and Shai Smith, maybe Javon Wims, maybe Derek Wright. That's not what you hope for when you're like, we're going to we're gonna make up for our lack of top-end talent with depth. We've got three guys in a... Yeah. Now, here's, here's where they stand. Is there a world where Marshall, Chenault, and Chark are back soon? Maybe week one, week two, the whole unit's back? Sure. Possible. Right, concussion protocol, we, we've seen that be uh, kind of come and go in a week. Uh, a back tweak, I, maybe one day you wake up and it's not in knots anymore. Uh, a hamstring injury, you're, you're going to rest and rest and rest and then give it a go and see how it works. But let's not act like this offense was a fine-tuned machine when these guys started dropping like flies. Mm-hmm. They're at least not going to be in rhythm. Because no. n- nobody's been in rhythm yet. So I'm guessing the guys aren't going to go uh, on on the, the, the sidelines working you know, on the bike and on the other field. Then they're going to come back in. Oh, now we're in lockstep with everything going on in, in the offense. Yeah, we're just grooving. <laughs> we, we left out of rank, uh, uh, rhythm. We're going to come back and just be in rhythm. That's not how this works. And the the three injuries that, that we're talking about for, for Marshall, Chenault, Chenault, and Chark are all very different, but they're all wildly, wildly unpredictable injuries. Mm-hmm. A back injury is, I mean, you, you never really know, right? It's the whole, like, it's like a core injury. It's, it's like it is, it's, yeah. everything is impacted by it. You, you can't really rehab because it's your back. What are you going to It's like, hey, you know, uh, it's like a shooter, right? If you break uh, your, your hand, what do you do? You go in the gym and you shoot with your other hand, right? You get shots up. You can't do anything when your back's hurt. No. You, you lay on a board and that's about it. It's not like a hand injury. It's like, oh, I could still run or I jump on a bike lift. or something like yeah, that. Or I can, I can hop out a pool. I can, might be able to squat, right? Just, yeah. Uh, nope. And you don't know when it's going to come back. Uh, Chenault, concussion protocol. I said we've seen it be, come and go in a week. We've also seen guys, uh, really, it becomes a chronic thing. We've seen them take a while to pass the tests. Yeah. The, we know so little about the, the head trauma and head injuries that it's it's just impossible to predict. And DJ Chark has a hammy. Hammies go quiet, but they don't go away. Once you become a hammy guy, you're just a hammy guy. Mm-hmm. right Now, now I, I will never be surprised if DJ Chark tweaks a hammy. From this point forward, it's probably not his first time he's done it. Probably not. All the injury, all the time that he's missed in his career, it's 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 going to be a uh, he's going to test it in warm ups thing for the rest of his career. So so there's a there's a world where they're all back and it's hunky dory and everybody's good to go. There's a world where you're looking at like week four and you're going, geez, we've really depended on thirty something year old Adam Thielen and a rookie Jonathan Mingo because these other guys can't get on the field. Something that Chris Lee and I talked about for Panthers Playbook, which drops tomorrow, by the way. Check it out. Everywhere podcasts can be found. And on YouTube. Now, we talked about the injury with Marshall, and this seems to be a pattern. This is the third straight season where he's been hurt during camp or at the start of the season. And honestly, it's what put him in Matt Rule's doghouse for a while is because he was hurt early last season. Never got a chance to play because he was rehabbing and go, okay, well, you're not available. So he got stuck on the sideline. And then it was after the coaching change that we saw uh, Steve Wilkes actually put Marshall onto the field. But this has been a recurring thing. This is the third straight season. We've seen Terrace Marshall Jr. in his career have some sort of injury early in the season. I'm sorry, man. That's not good for you. A guy who was a second-round pick. 
it's not good for you, not just this season, but for your future. If no one can rely on you to be out there on the field, I'm sorry. It's it's hard to justify keeping this guy around long term. And and it, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, mm-hmm. meaning uh, like, oh, he's been hurt, so he didn't get the opportunities. Yeah. Then he doesn't get the opportunities. So when he comes back, it's 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 he's he's not really in game. Sh- it's different playing in, in games and it's different being with the mm-hmm. ones. And then he gets hurt again. And then it's, it's, it just goes back. It's a cycle, a vicious cycle. And now he has the 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 back thing, and he's got the other thing, and it's 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 not great. And that's coming from a position where the only way they were going, like meaning the the wide receiver position, the position group, the only way they were going to be an advantage for their team is if everybody was doing what they do well, right? If Adam Thielen was getting open with route running and 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 you know physical presence, and DJ Chark was testing him deep. Uh, and and being a little bit more of a dynamic playmaker, and Lavisca Chenault was being dynamic, and Jonathan Mingo was uh, great after the catch, like he was at, at Ole Miss, and and learning, and uh, Terrace Marshall was proving that he's not the weak link of those LSU wide receivers that were were so good there for a while with Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and Terrace Marshall, and and like that that's it all needed to happen. Because they don't have the the one guy, right? They don't have Devontae Adams. They don't have uh, Jefferson Chase, who I mentioned. Like, they don't have a number one wide receiver. So they were going to have to beat them with volume, quantity, rather than quality. And now a bunch of the, the quantity has gone away with the injury bug. Bryce Young has to be like, give me a break here, guys. Our offensive line's having a, a rough go of it this preseason. At least give me the guys that can get open so when I can stay upright and eyes downfield, there'll be somebody there. Shy Smith, make it happen, right? I mean, Your one, time to shine. one person's injury is another person's opportunity. You've heard of uh, Wally Pip? Oh, yes. We all have heard <laughs> of Wally Pip.